Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... When the love of Jesus Christ invades a heart, when the love of Jesus Christ invades a church, most, not all, and I have to put that asterisk, some sins, okay, need to be corrected. Some sins need to be disciplined. Some sins need to call the police. However, there are very few like that, friends, very few. When the love of Jesus Christ invades a heart, when it invades a church, most sins will be overlooked and forgotten. We all know we're not perfect, but thank God we have a Savior who made a way for us to be forgiven of every sin we have committed and will commit. The immense love of Jesus brought him to earth to die for us on a cross in our place and then beat death by rising from the dead. Because those who put their trust in Jesus Christ have been forgiven, Pastor Jim reminds us today that we also need to forgive others. He isn't suggesting we approach sin naively, but with God's guidance and love, we can forgive others as we have been forgiven. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim in the book of 1 Peter chapter 4 with part two of his message entitled, Making the Most of Each Day. I think what Peter is talking about is taking the hell prayer meetings. I think what he's saying is, you know, okay, we have our list, that's okay, we have things that we want, that's okay, but are we praying that the people of God take the hell? that the kingdom of God, right, is ruling on earth. Are we praying for the things of God, praying for the glory of God, praying for how God can intervene in our world? Now, some of you know this about me. The rest of you are gonna learn in a second. I am kind of a sociologist at heart. I just love the study of people. And I'm one of those weird people, like I used to go on youth trips to uh, adventure parks and you know, go to Dorney Park or go to Six Flags or something like that. And I don't go on the rides at all, but I would just sit and people watch. I mean, I just love to people watch and I love to see different things about people. I'm kind of hoping in heaven, like when I get there, if there's any positions open, I'm gonna be like, Is there, can I be a pollster in heaven? I would just wanna go around. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? I just, I'm intrigued by people and what they think. And so I have for many years, and I was a Christian many years before I went into the ministry, I have for many years been a poll taker on certain things, and one of them is particularly with people who work at churches, and particularly who are church staff and church leaders, and I have asked them, why don't you go to prayer meetings? Well, a lot of people say, well, they're too busy, they got a lot to do before the service, there's not a lot of help, and they're gonna do stuff like that. I get that, but one of the big reasons is actually is because they come away discouraged because people don't pray like this. We don't pray like this. We're constantly praying for, you know, my mother, sisters, brothers, fathers, aunts, uncles, dog. No offense to you dog lovers, okay? Because you all know how I feel about my cat. But, but, but we're just not praying, for, we're not taking the hill. And so it's not energizing for people. And it just seems to be just another thing to do. You'd be surprised. Another thing that staff people will have told me in the past is that they don't like to go to prayer meetings because they went to what? to pray, and they left with a to-do list. 
people are like, oh, by the way, I got you here. Do-do, 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 do-do. And you're like, oh, you know, get me out of this place. Pray for the rapture or something like that, right? And people just go, I just wanna pray. I just wanna pray for the glory of God on the earth. And this is so important because prayer readies us. Remember last week we talked about being ready for suffering? Prayer so readies us for what is coming down the pike. Luke chapter 12, Jesus teaching about what a faithful servant is. And he said that a faithful servant is someone who is ready to serve and busy with the work of the Lord. And remember what we said happened to Peter. Many of you know the story is he failed miserably in the ministry when Jesus was on earth. And the night before the cross, I mean, he just totally fell apart at the seams. He's cutting people's ears off. He's denying that he knows Jesus. He's running away. He's just a complete basket case. And I think Peter would have said to us, he would have said, it was my lack of prayer. Like I wasn't ready for what was coming down the pike. Even though Jesus had told me so many times what was gonna happen, I wasn't fortified by prayer. And say, well, can you give us an example? Peter would say, that's an easy one. He goes, we're in the garden of Gethsemane. It's the night before the cross. Jesus says to us, you sit here, you watch and pray. He's gotta go do business with the father. And what did we do? We fell asleep. We fell asleep. I don't know about you, if I were polling Peter or asking Peter, I would have said to him next, what was it like to watch him pray? What was it like to watch Jesus? And I think Peter would have said something like this. It was the most unusual thing you've ever seen in your life. It was this odd combination of this complete delight of being in the presence of his father. He would just be so overjoyed of communing with his father and talking with his father and listening to his father. And then he would move into this agony, this great struggle of what was going on. And say He would move in and out of it and in and out of it. And so prayer for him was love, but it was strengthening, it was joy, and it was agonizing. And Peter then would look for us. That's how he was ready for anything. That's how no matter what anybody came after him, he was ready for them. That's how he could go from welcoming children to turning people and telling them they were religious phonies to turning to healing people who couldn't walk to turning around and saying, you're gonna try and kill me, go for it, man. I'm, you don't, I lay down my life, you don't take my life. He was ready for anything. That's how that night when I fell asleep in the Garden of Gethsemane, the Lord Jesus was ready for the cross because he was praying, he was praying, he was praying and he prayed more effectively. Number two, as the end approaches, love more aggressively. Love more aggressively, Peter writes verse eight, and above all things, have fervent love for one another. There's that term again, right? One another, talking about people in the church. The idea is have a continuous deep love for one another, and then he writes this. This is in several places in the Bible, for love will cover a multitude of sins. When the love of Jesus Christ invades a heart, when the love of Jesus Christ invades a church, most, not all, and I have to put that asterisk, some sins, okay, need to be corrected. Some sins need to be disciplined. Some sins need to call the police. However, there are very few like that, friends, very few. 
when the love of Jesus Christ invades a heart, when it invades a church, most sins will be overlooked and forgotten. When love hasn't invaded someone's heart, when love hasn't invaded a church, and I know a lot of you have come from churches. We, sometimes we refer to ourselves as the church drama refugees. <laughs> We're like, we do not want that here. Because when love hasn't invaded, people become what? They become petty. They become suspicious. They become self-centered. They become divisive. Ultimately, they become ungodly. Notice it says here that he says, like, above all things, have a fervent love for one another. It's almost like he's saying, hey, if you get the prayer thing right and you get the love thing right, watch out how everything else falls into place. It's going to be that. He says, above all. And constant love is a mark of a healthy Christian. Constant love is a mark of a healthy church. Why? Because Jesus said, those who have been forgiven much, love much. And maybe if you don't have a lot of love in your heart, maybe it's because you don't realize just how much you've been forgiven of. But those of us who realize how much we have been forgiven of tend to be much more willing to overlook and forget sins. Again, not being naive, but through the word of God and prayer, as God continues to build us up, we're able to make such distinctions. And even what happens, it becomes just the natural way we are. Somebody insults you and you're like, whatever. You know, I'm the same way. Jesus forgave me. Jesus is going to forgive them. I'm not going to hold it against them. Peter's telling us love is to be the controlling factor in all relationships in the church. But let's be honest. Few things will stretch our faith more than love. And sometimes you just don't, you know, get along with people. That's the way it goes. And remember we said before that that's not the reason you leave a church. That's the reason you stay as the Lord is trying to stretch your faith. Because as the Lord stretches your faith, he grows affections for him because you get in touch with what forgiveness is and you begin to, your affection for the people of God begins to grow. Proverbs 10, 12, written in the Old Testament, says this, hatred stirs up strife. We might say in, in, in the modern church, hatred stirs up drama, but love covers all sins. The Apostle Paul wrote Ephesians 4.32, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Your and my ability to forgive people is definitely related to our perception of how much God has forgiven us of. Friend, let me ask you a question, right? If you're not a Christian today, you are most welcome in this place, but are you so sure that Christ has forgiven you if you haven't asked for forgiveness? Are you presuming upon it? Are you just assuming that God is obligated to do that for you? A Jesus Christ kind of love instead of self-love is a love that is directed at others. It easily overlooks minor offenses. You know that passage in the Bible. Lord, forgave my brother seven times. I'm gonna do any more? And Jesus goes, uh, dude, 70 times seven. Now some of you are going, I'm at 490 with some people, Pastor Jim, okay? That's not the idea. That's not the idea. The idea is, if you're married, you're at 490 like three months into your marriage, right? Okay? The idea is whatever you think is enough, times that by 70. Again, not all sins. There's some things that we don't overlook, but the idea is we must be willing to forgive a lot. 
And it's very common to hear people, you know, we go out on church outreaches and stuff like that, and, and you hear people say, well, you know, I went to a church, but, but they didn't love me. If we find that coming out of our mouths, I think it's really important that we listen to ourselves. Because we are called to love one another. Whether the insult is real, okay, or it's imagined, which it probably is and more often than not, right? We are called to love. And let's be honest, church is full of sinners, right? Church is full of sinners. If you're here and you're a guest with us here today, we're thrilled. If you don't have a church in there, we'd love to have you join us. But if you're not a sinner and your name's not Jesus Christ, then don't come, okay? <laughs> because he's the only person who's not a sinner that we allow here, right? We're, we're, we're all sinners. And sometimes we're going to offend one another, but we have to remember that more often than not, we are offended by non-offenses. We're offended, our pride is offended, but it really wasn't that, or we assume the worst of someone. How many times have you heard someone, you know, and they're like, oh, you know, I tried to talk to that person. They didn't seem to have any interest in me. And you're like, did you know their dad just died? Did you know they're really sick? Did you know they have a new baby and they haven't slept in four weeks? See, it's so easy for us in our self-centered world to assume the worst of others, but love hopes all, right? Love assumes the best. So Peter is talking about how you and I see others in the church, again, assuming that we are in the church, and he tells us that we are to see others through the eyes of love with a resolve to love, with a determination to love. Matthew 24, 12, Jesus is talking about the end of the age. He says this, the love of many will grow cold. Calvary Chapel, Mars Hills, may that not be said of us. May they not be say those people are cold, that they don't love. Let them say it about us, that we love aggressively. Number three, as the end approaches, host more joyfully. Host more joyfully. Be hospitable, verse nine. We've said this many times before. Hospitality reflects the nature of the Lord. The Lord is an inviting God. He provides a place for us in heaven. Well, most of us that are Christians, we're expecting some sort of a mansion or excellent room when we get up to heaven, right? That means that he's already been preparing that place for us. He is a hospitable God. You say, what is it, you know, what's going on here? Back then, they didn't have hotels, right? They weren't just like, they wouldn't come into a town and just get on the internet and say like, ooh, kayak or Travago, which one will get me the best price, you know? Oh, name your own price, I can do all that. They didn't have any of that stuff, right? Nobody was leaving a light on for them. They just had to come into town and they had to bank on the fact that if they were Christians that somebody would give them a place to stay. And he says here, be hospitable to one another without grumbling, I love it, the fact, another version says, without complaining. I love the fact that he says that it can be difficult. It can be difficult, it's not always easy. It can be very inconvenient. So you say, well, I don't have to invite people over my house all the time. Looks like most of these place, people have a place to sleep. Well, let's get really practical with this. How about this? How about inviting a friend over your house? How about inviting someone who's not a friend over your house? Not to mean you don't like them, but you don't know them. And sometimes I think, think well, oh, we invite the people we like over our house. I don't even know if that should really count. Right? It's easy to invite your friends over, but how about inviting someone that you don't know? You say, well, I'm afraid they're gonna rip me off. You've been watching too much television. But how about inviting them out to lunch? 
How about just saying to someone, hey, you know, one time after church, let's go to the service together and let, let's, let's go out to lunch and I'd like to get to know you better, okay? How about this? You ready? Here we go. We're really going to lay it on here. How about not always having to sit on the aisle? Oh, Pastor Jim, man. I might have them over my house, but I like my aisle seat. How about parking in the back? I like it when people say, we have a back lot. <laughs> How about welcoming someone you don't know? Now, I know it's easy. You know, like a lot of people coming forward, you're like, so is this your first time? And like, yeah, I was here when we were a Bible study with eight people. It's not my first time. But, you know, just to say, I'm sorry, have we met before? I'm not sure if we met. If we have, I'm sorry. I'm not always great at remembering people or something like that. How about going into the cafe after service and sitting with someone you don't know and getting the chance to meet them and to know them? How about if you're in a community group? How about helping your community group host? You know, a lot of them, just to set up and to clean up and get their house ready. I know you walk into your host's house and, you, and you get in your car like, how does she keep her house that clean all week long? She probably doesn't. It's probably just looking good for you. You know, sometimes the people with the, who are hosts, what, I mean, it's, it's stressful for them. A lot of them work and they got, they're driving home and then they got to get their house ready and they haven't even looked at their community group questions. But how about helping them set up? How about helping them clean up? Because that can all be burdensome, right? And he says here, do it without grumbling. Do it without complaining. You see, we associate church with a building, but in the first century, they largely met in homes and rented facilities during the off hours when it was the middle of the day. They didn't have air conditioning. You're like, how did they do that? Faith, okay? They didn't have air conditioning, and so they rented facilities out during the middle of the day. So when they thought of the church, they didn't think of a building. They thought of people, and they thought of hospitality as an act of love and a service to the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 13, 2, the Bible writer says, do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing some have unwittingly entertained angels. You ever meet someone and just had this really great encounter with them and you're never able to locate them again? This may surprise you. You might say, well, that's for the other people. I'm called to be a leader in the church. Oh boy. 1 Timothy 3, Titus 1 teach us that being hospitable is a qualification for a leader in the church. That if you're not hospitable, if it's not your general way of living, that you can't be a leader. Okay, so as the end approaches, one was pray more effectively, two was love more aggressively, three is host more joyfully, four, serve more generously. Serve more generously. Now, the last two verses are a series of messages. We could probably talk about this for a couple weeks. Some of you like, Pastor Jim, you could talk about the weather for a couple weeks. So stop picking on me. So we're going to have to move quickly, but there's a lot more that could be said. So sometimes I'll say I reserve the right to come back. Verse 10, as each one has received a gift. All right, let's stop there for a second. Each one, that would be Everybody. Everybody, as each one has received a gift, every follower of Jesus has received at least one. If you don't know what your gift is, just ask the people who are with you. Just ask the people, if you're in a community group, ask those people, ask people who know you. I mean, and sometimes the gifts are so obvious to everybody else, but they're just not obvious to you. You know, I've said to people in the church here, uh, you know, uh, thanks man for your gift of encouragement, been so helpful to me. And, and they're like, 
really, you see me as an encourager? I'm like, you write us notes every week. <laughs> right? You take the time to write. I mean, people just don't do that anymore, right? And so just ask people. They'll tell you. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. The idea is to, some versions say, to use it to serve one another. As good stewards, uh, some versions say faithful, of the manifold grace of God. What does that mean, the manifold grace of God? It just means that the grace of God comes out in various different types of forms. And then so what's interesting is Peter just divides, there's about 20 spiritual gifts in the Bible that are listed. I really don't believe at all that that's an exhaustive list. I think the lists are different and they don't seem to cover everything, and there's overlap, and there's other things that are not cited as a gift, but are clearly a gift, because I think God meets needs in so many different ways, but he basically breaks it down into two categories. He says this, verse 11, if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. Now, let's just stop there for one second. First off, a lot of Bible scholars think that he's specifically talking about preaching, some not. I tend to be in more of the let's make it as broad as we can camp because there's a lot of different ways where you can speak and teach people and you don't necessarily have to be in a, in a pulpit. And I think there's something else that maybe some of you here need to take great care because you've really come from some bad teaching on this. Some people teach that when the pastor speaks, it is the very words of God going forth. Right, And that's not only in the pulpit, but that's wherever he is. I remember I met some people in the neighborhood here one time, and they were just talking to me, and we were just talking about it, it was a nice day, and I just said we're talking, we're inviting people out to our church, letting them know that we're here. And they said to me, okay, well, we go to this church in the neighborhood, which I knew was kind of a little off, not a little off, I'm being very, I'm lying, it's way off, okay? <laughs> and so I say I'm being kind, but I'm not being kind, I'm, I'm hedging. So anyway, so, and they said, uh, how are you serving at the church? And I said, well, I'm the pastor. And so they said to me, we could tell because when you speak, we could tell it was the Holy Spirit talking. And I was like, we were talking about the weather. <laughs> like, <laughs> right? I said, it wasn't the Holy Spirit talking. It was just me. And she said, oh, no, no, pastor. It was the Holy Spirit talking. I'm like, no, it was just me. <laughs> okay. So let's be real careful of that. Okay. I think what he's talking about here is when we speak for God, could be any of us, we have to understand that we are God's representatives. And we have to be very, very careful in how we speak about God to people that we are representing him well. Now, sometimes people think that means that we need to talk in an English voice and we need to be serious all the time. Oh, it is a pleasure to meet you, okay? Um, I really don't see Jesus being that way. It says in the Bible that the common people heard him gladly. Basically, people that were out, you know, the people who worked with their hands out in the fields, the religious elites would say less educated. They heard him gladly. He spoke, you know, he spoke with just common language. We know that people brought little children to him, assuming that he loved kids. And most people who love kids are not totally serious, are they? They, they kind of like to joke around a lot. And I think some of the stuff we see about him, he's kind of joking with people. You know, the apostles are like, uh, oh, let's rain down fire when people don't believe. Let's rain down fire. And he's like, it's the sons of thunder. <laughs> right there they are. And so, and so laughter is good medicine. So we laugh, we cry. 
You know, I think one of the goals for any of you who want to teach the Bible is, you know, make them laugh a little, make them cry a little, and give them a lot of Jesus. That's kind of the, kind of the simple formula. So it's not that they're talking in this, we're talking in this way. We have to know when to be serious and when we can joke around a little, but to understand that we're speaking on behalf of God. And so be very careful in that. And it's not wrong to say, you know, I don't know, but let me find out. People say, oh, I don't want to email Pastor Jim about that stuff. This is my favorite email ever, ever. I was talking to someone who didn't know Jesus, and they asked me. I love that email. Because I know you're out there, you're taking a shot. You're stepping into the batter's box, and you're taking a swing. You're not afraid, and I absolutely love that. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for joining us on today's edition of Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Would you like to hear this message again? Simply log on to our website, www.changedbyloveradio.com. There you can listen to archive broadcasts, load our mobile app, as well as listen to Pastor Jim's easy-to-follow verse-by-verse teaching on much of the Bible. You can also request a CD of this message in its original, unedited form on our website. If you would prefer to write to us, our address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. That's Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Or you can give us a call at 973-659-3380. Once again, that's 973-659-3380. Changed by Love is sponsored by listeners like you. We are so thankful for your continued support and prayers that allow us to bring our show to you on this station. Make sure you tell your friends and family about Changed by Love on this station, as well as how to listen to Pastor Jim on our website and mobile app. In the next edition of Changed by Love, Pastor Jim will continue teaching through the book of 1 Peter. Glance at the clock right now, and please make plans to join us next time to be encouraged, comforted, and challenged by the Word of God. You are all a blessing to us. We hope to see you next time here on Changed by Love.